happen to be turning there, Acts chapter 16. It is good to see you today, and uh, it's always glad to, uh, glad to have folks back that have been sick or been out, and pray for those that are out today, a little under the weather. Uh, when you go from 109 to down to 69, uh, uh, there's a tendency for colds to happen. We've got some folks out today. You pray for them, and let's look forward to what God has for us today. Acts 16, when you get there, let's stand together if you don't mind. Acts chapter number 16, I'm going to look down about verse number 7, read down maybe five or six verses and we'll pray and let you be seated. Acts chapter number 16, look down if we could to verse number 7, we're picking up on Paul and Silas's maiden voyage, if you will, together as they have just come together back in chapter 15 and uh, now they're sailing and serving together and about to read about one of my favorite, favorite accounts of the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and we see it so clearly in what we're about to read. Pay close attention, uh, if you would. Verse 7, the Bible says, and they were come to Mysia, they essayed, or that means they desired or attempted to go to, into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. We're going to stop there and pray together. Lord, I do thank you this morning for the great singing. Thank you, Father, for, uh, Lord, knowing that, uh, Lord, we were worth what you uh, were going to pay for us. Father, I, I don't know it, and, but, Father, in your heart, we were worth that to you. And, Father, we weren't in our eyes. We weren't, Lord, but, uh, Lord, through Christ, we became so much more than we could have been on our own. And thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, Father, today for the good spirit and the singing. And I pray for a good spirit now in the preaching. Help us, Lord, set aside anything in our heart that would hinder us from receiving your word and doing your will. I pray that, Lord, during the invitation time, Lord, uh, when that piano begins to play, Father, we'd not hesitate to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's direction in the message. Help someone be saved today. Help the saved to be challenged. Lord, in these last days, help us, Lord, be fervent about your will, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The last few days, uh, we've all been really wrapped up, I'm sure, paying attention to what is on the news and watching what's going on in Israel. Matter of fact, on Wednesday night, we took a few minutes at the end of the service to have an open invitation to pray for Israel. I would encourage you, continue, as the scripture says, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, but I was thinking about, watch, as I watched some of these interviews and reading uh, on some of the different websites, I will go from Fox News, I'll read a little bit over at CNN, and then I'll go way over and read a little bit on Al Jazeera, just reading on the other sides of what people are saying. And uh, it's amazing to me that there are people on our planet who support what happened a little over a week ago to innocent civilians and children, uh, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas. I told the church Wednesday night the most tragic thing I think that I read or heard outside of the children uh, is it over there on the raid that they had last week uh, that one of the captives is a Holocaust survivor? And how sad that is that someone would go through such turmoil in the early years of their life and now in the latter years of their life they're continuing to experience that kind of persecution. 
Uh, as I listened to some of the interviews of the protesters in New York, and a matter of fact, all the way across the world in Sydney who are protesting what Israel is doing, uh, my heart sinks at how so much that's being done is being justified by religion and justified in the name of religion that what happened to those innocent children and those moms and dads and families and to the nation of Israel as a whole is justified because of the religion that they have and the God that they serve. I want you to know that right now on television and what's happening over the Middle East, you could not have a more clear display of the difference between the God that we serve and the God of this world. Uh, I mean, you just see it on full display and thinking about how someone is motivated by their God and their holy book to go and do those things and celebrate those things and to feel justified in doing those things, all because of the religion that they have and the God that they say that they serve. Now, I want you to contrast that with our God this morning. And I want you to think about our God this morning. Listen to me. Not only did our God love us enough, watch this, to not kill us and not annihilate us, He loved us enough to let his son die so that we could be saved and so that we could be set free. I mean, you cannot contrast the two between the God of heaven, the one true and living God, and the God of this world, and the God of those who are wreaking these barbaric acts upon innocent civilians over there in Israel. I don't want you to think about our God today. We're not going to preach about theirs. We're going to preach about ours, and I'm thankful for the one that I have, aren't you? Matter of fact, he's not just my God. I call him Father. Think about that. He is our Father. Now watch this. I was thinking about as I was reading in Acts chapter 16 about watching God guide Paul and Silas on their journeys. And you see that love care that he has for his children that not only does he love us enough to save us, but he is an ever constant companion to guide us along the way in the will of God for our life. You ever think about that? A lot of times we complain about the will of God, don't we? Oh man, I gotta go to church. I gotta read my Bible. I gotta pray. Now, maybe you're a Christian uh, that always feels like reading your Bible and always feels like going to church and praying, but sometimes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes my flesh doesn't care for it as much. Okay, could we agree with that? All right, sometimes our flesh body, the wretched man that we are, does not wanna be a part of the will of God. But do you know how much of a privilege it is to get to be a part of the will of God? Do you know, watch this, the God that we serve, in contrast to the God that is being celebrated and served over there, the God that we serve has included you and included I in his will from day one. From day one. Do you know, even knowing that we were going to sin, the Bible says that God was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That means God included us in his will. Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank God that he included us in his will, that we could be saved, call him Father, and have a home in heaven. I'm telling you, I don't know how you couldn't love that God and sing to that God. Smile about that God. Why? Because he's made us glad. You could have that one over there. You could be serving the God who's calling you to go and annihilate an innocent race and to destroy homes and to murder children. And yet, thanks be to God, we got the right one. We got the good one. 
He's our heavenly father, and he included in his will that we could be saved. Do you know if this morning you got a FedEx package in the mail, and uh, it was those official papers, right? Maybe even delivered to you, you had a sign for it. And you opened it up, and you found out you had a rich uncle who included you in his will. And you start reading about the vacation home in Tahoe, or, or just maybe Black Creek, okay? Um, Maybe, maybe, let's just reel it in a little bit. Maybe Gulf Shores, all right? You get one week out of the year down at Gulf Shores, and man, he deeded to you in his will that you get to be a, a part of all that he had. Maybe you get to inherit his favorite cat. I don't know if I call that a good thing, but hey, maybe he includes you in his will, and you get some money, and you get all of his debt that goes along with it. I don't know, but you'd be so excited you got included in somebody's will, wouldn't you? Do you know the very God of heaven has included you in his will? Not one where he has died, but one where he lives and wants you to live it with him. That's the God we serve. Now watch this. Not only did he include in his will that we be saved, that's his desire and his will for us. But we keep reading, the Bible says that he wants us to be a part of his will after we are saved. It calls to mind this morning, Psalms 8, verse 4. The Bible says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You ever wonder why God is mindful of you? If you don't wonder that every once in a while, you probably got a little bit of pride in there somewhere. You ever wonder why God loves you? I do. He's like, well, you're you and I'm me. Well, maybe if you realize you're just as bad as I am, you'd realize it's a wonderful thing that God is mindful of us and includes us in his will not only to be saved, but his will to serve him after we get saved. Truett said this, to know the will of God is the greatest knowledge, to do the will of God is the greatest achievement. Can I tell you something this morning, whether saved or lost, here today, God has a will for your life. The God of heaven has included you in his will. If you're lost, he wants you to be saved. He is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God included you in his will if you're lost this morning. But can I tell you, if you're saved, God has a will for your life. Now, I did the math this morning, and I believe everybody fits in one of those two categories. Either you're lost or you're saved. I want you to understand, God has included you in his will for your life. Every person in this room. You say, I'm not a member of this church. Doesn't matter. If you're a visitor, God has a will for your life. If you're a member, God has a will for your life. If you're a mom or a dad, God has a will for your life. Our young people, God has a will for your life. He's included you in that this morning. But here's the deal. As with any opportunity, you have got to choose it. You've got to choose that, listen, it's not his will that you perish. You've got to choose that it's not your will either that you perish. You've got to choose God's will for your life. You say, well, I'm saved. Thanks be to God. I'm on my way to heaven. Wonderful. Hey, that's why I tell you to sing a smile while you sing. Can you imagine singing, he has made me glad like that? He has made me glad. He has made Come on, folks. I mean, I wouldn't want what you got. No wonder the lost world doesn't want what we have. We're saying he made me glad, but our faith says we're lying. Now, folks, God's included us in his will to be saved. God's included his will for us in our life, but we've got to choose it. Here's the problem. We don't choose God's will for our life. We choose our will for our life. Here is God wanting to guide us and direct us in his plan, and oh, it's a good one. 
And he's got one for you and he's got one for me. But we've got to open the door to the will of God and accept the will of God for our life. Whether you're lost and need to be saved or saved and need to learn to serve God, you've got to learn to live by the will of God. There, years ago, I can't remember this kid's name. My sister might remember it. Mom and dad, you might remember it. <clears throat> years ago, we lived in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Dad was in major construction there. And man, we went from country club to just country. When we moved from Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, all the way back to the backwoods of Carson, Mississippi, you talking about Green Acres kind of feel going on there, right? Park Avenue, all the way back to Carson, Mississippi. Brother Corey and Miss Brooke, they live in Jeff Davis County. They know what I'm talking about, all right? It is not country club on the Atlantic Ocean where we used to live. And we lived at a place called Laguna Villas. Remember that? Laguna Villas. Laguna Villas had this beautiful little lagoon there by where we lived, and there was about a four-foot alligator in the lagoon. Uh, me and my friends would always go and find cigarette lighters, you know, out and about on the ground, and we would throw them and feed them to the alligator to try to blow him up, okay? I think that was before I got saved, so it's all under the blood now. But when we lived there, we had folks who would move in and out around us. And do you remember that kid? One day, I can't, man, I can't remember this kid's name, he came over to visit one of the neighbor kids. And it was one of those kids who's not afraid of anything. And we just got to know him. He came in and visited with us. And we had a balcony overlooking the lagoon over on the right side, on the back side of our house. And this kid decided he was just going to hang out for a little while. Remember that? He wouldn't leave. He wouldn't. I mean, this little kid, like, number one, we don't know who your parents are. Number two, we're getting ready to go get pizza or something. I couldn't remember. And he wouldn't leave. And so we said, all right, we got to go, and we're getting ready to go. And, man, that kid just wouldn't go. Finally, we kind of just closed the door and says, hey, we got to go. You, you, you got you to get back to where your parents are. He wasn't interested. He had no part of it. I thought to myself when I was getting ready to preach this this morning, sometimes that's the way we are. The Holy Spirit can't drop us a hint. You know, hey, this is, this is the direction that I need you to go. And we're like, no, I'm good where I'm at. And you know what you're missing out on? You're missing out on the will of God for your life. What did Truett say? He said, it's the greatest knowledge and to do it is the greatest achievement. Could I just encourage you in the message today? It's a very simple thought I'm going to share with you today. What I want to share with you is why you need to trust God's will. Why God's will is worth it and why you ought to go along with that this morning. And we're going to follow Paul. There's a beautiful, beautiful picture here about the will of God for Paul and Silas as they travel, and I believe it sets an example for us to show us why God's will is worth it. Now, this morning, I'm going to tell you what the message is very simply. I want to show you why it's worth it and why you ought to choose it. If you're lost, you ought to choose God's will this morning to be saved. If you are saved, you ought to choose God's will to be directed by the Spirit and the Word of God and however he'd have you live your life. And Paul and Silas are going to show us how to do that. Look down, if you will, to verse number 7. The Bible says they were come to Mysia. They essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Here's what I love. Watch. The Spirit of God is being their GPS. Thank God for GPSs, right? Makes us look good as men. My wife has no idea half the time we travel to a new area. The reason I know my way around is because I have already put the GPS in my phone, but it's in my pocket, and my watch is vibrating telling me where to turn. Now she knows the secret's out, but isn't it nice to have a GPS? Something to guide you left. Some of you husbands, the light bulb just came on. You can do that? Yes. Your arm will vibrate. Mm -mm -mm. It means turn right there. Okay, that's how I know my wife's like, my husband is so smart. Now she knows that I'm not. Here's Paul and Silas. They are navigating where God would have them go. And watch what the Bible says, verse 7. 
they desired or they assayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. What are they being guided by? The will of God. Verse 8, and they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. I love the fact, the Bible says, watch, that when they were being led by the Holy Spirit of God, the will of God, there were some things they passed by. Can I throw that out there as a free nugget? Hey, when you learn to live by the will of God, you'll learn by to pass some things up every once in a while. There's a lot of troases that we need to pass up from time to time. But keep reading. The Bible says in verse number 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Now notice, God is guiding him in the direction of his will. Aren't you glad this morning God's willing to do that? Aren't you glad God's not like, okay, I gave you a book, you figure it out. Thanks be to God, he guides us in the direction of his will. But watch what happens once he finds God's will. So the Bible says, verse 9, God gives them a vision, God gives them direction of where to go. Verse 10 will be our text today. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Watch this assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I want you to draw your attention to a word right there in the middle of verse 10. It's the word assuredly. Now watch this. As soon as they found the will of God, what was the will of God? That God wanted them to go to Macedonia. God made it clear. Watch what comes with the will of God. The Bible says, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us. Can I tell you why God's will is worth it this morning? Very simple message. But folks, sometimes we just need to make it simple, right? Listen to me. Why is God's will worth it? Number one, it comes with assurance. God's will comes with assurance. Now, Paul is presenting a wonderful truth of what accompanies the will of God. When God makes his will known to us, and God gives us his will for our life, whether through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, or whether through the inspired, inerrant word of God, when God makes his will known to us, and we accept God's will, do you know what we get as a bonus feature? Assurance. Assurance. Can I tell you, if there's anything in this life you need right now, you need assurance. You need to know the direction you're going, the direction you're leading your family is the will of God. You need to know that like you know your name. Why? Because all other ground is sinking sand. We're seeing that all over the world. Folks, we're choosing our direction and we're leading our families and raising our children by so many things other than the will of God. That's why we don't have assurance. Do you know what usher? Listen, we're not saying insurance. Some of you are thinking, he's trying to sell us insurance this morning. I'm not trying to sell you insurance. I'm trying to give you assurance. How do you have assurance? You get it through the obedience of the will of God in your life. That when you choose, I am going to do what thus saith the Lord. I am going to go where thus saith the Lord. That's where the assurance comes in. It's almost like a warranty. You see, when you accept the will of God for your life, I'm thankful it comes with a warranty. I, uh, I was thinking about appliances the other day. and um, You know, when you're young, you buy the newest and the neatest, right? You know, I'm seeing these TVs now that have uh, touch screens on them. When I was in my teens and 20s, I would have bought one of those in a heartbeat. Why? Because it's cool. 
Now, one th- way I know that I'm getting old is I look and think about how much it's going to cost to repair that screen when it goes out. That's how you know. I'm thinking, am I maturing? Could it be? No, surely not. That's not what's happening. As you get older, what do you start thinking about? You start thinking about what is going to be functional and what's going to be faithful. Is it going to last, right? Does it come with a warranty? You know, I want to know how many bells and whistles were on something where I was young. Now I want to know, does it come with a warranty? I'm thankful I got an extended warranty with my car. Brother David Monroe encouraged me to buy that. And I am so thankful for that. And those people at Star Chevrolet must hate seeing me coming. I'm like, well, you sold me this thing, and I'm going to use it. And I use it. That $100 deductible is more than worth it. I've already changed out transmissions, air conditioner, compressors, and everything. When they see me pulling up, they're thinking, let's just give him a new car and get it over with. I want to know, does it come with a warranty? Does it come with assurance? Can I tell you something today why God's will is worth it? It comes with assurance. It comes with assurance. Watch what it says. The Bible says, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering. Listen to me. It's important this morning, when you are deciding on the will for your life and the direction for your life, you ought to ask yourself the question, does it come with assurance? Does it come with assurance? I was thinking the other day, next time I go soul winning, I'm going to knock on the door, I'm going to knock on the door and says, hi, I'm your friendly neighborhood assurance salesman. That's what we are as Christians. Do you know the government can't give us assurance? Your job, your bank account can't give you insur- assurance. Your education can't give you assurance. The only thing that can give you assurance is the very simple will of God for your life. Here's what assurance means. Assurance means a positive declaration intended to give confidence and promise. You see, regardless of the difficulty of the will of God for your life, understand that when you accept the will of God, it comes with assurance. I'll give you a prime example, Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. Here's Joshua. Now, I try to imagine what it was like to be Joshua, and it scares me to death. Here he is with these hundreds of thousands, millions of people getting ready to lead after Moses has died. And Here's what God tells Joshua in verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Do you know what Joshua's God is telling him? He says, Joshua, I know it's scary what's in front of you. Joshua, I know it's scary what's behind you. You know what's behind him? One, two million grumbling, griping people. Sometimes I'm thinking Joshua would probably rather have the giants in front of him than the grumbling that was com- behind him. God says to Joshua, hey, 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 listen to me, Joshua. There shall no man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Do you know what he was giving him? Assurance of the will of God. Assurance. Joshua, you go my way. You do what I say. You do my will. And it comes with the assurance, I'm not going to fail you. You know, when I got saved, I don't know how it all happened. I, I, it's hard to understand why a loving God would do what a loving God would do, that I could be saved in sending his son to be executed on my behalf. I don't understand that kind of love, that depth of love. I'm thankful that he did. And all of a sudden, I found out one day, it was not the will of God that I die and spend eternity in a devil's hell. Somebody took a Bible and showed me the very will of God, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I said, wait a minute, I like gifts, don't you? Come on. Some of you are acting like you've grown out of gifts. Shame on you. Shame on you. Some of you just lied in your heart. I'm going to give you a two-second pause so you can get right with God. 
All right, listen to me. We love gifts, don't we? And I found out that the gift of God was eternal life. That was the will of God for me. Hey, can I tell you, after I accepted the gift, which was of the will of God, I got the assurance that heaven's my home. You see, the will of God brings assurance. By the way, that's why so many of us do not have assurance about the direction that we're going. Paul told Timothy this, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, understand the context. Paul is about to leave the scene of Timothy's life. And Timothy's on his own. Well, if I'm Timothy, I'm a little frightened. His mentor is about to leave him, and he'll be on his own to do the will of God. Here's what Paul told him in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, watch this, and hast been assured of. Continue. Timothy, you can continue. Why? Because you've got assurance. Timothy, continue in the will of God, no matter how hard it gets. By the way, this was being written in a man it was speaking from a prison. Doesn't sound like he lost his assurance, does he? Do you know why? Paul was doing the very will of God. I'm amazed at how often we have insurances in our life for everything. Uh, my wife and I, we always do our taxes in the fall because our, our spring is very busy. So we always do ours in the fall. And we're doing our taxes the other day. And man, you start adding up all the insurances you have, it's a lot of it. I started looking at all the life insurance I have. Now I'm beginning to wonder about my wife. You know, I've got a double policy. You know, the Bible says a double portion. I guess she gets a double portion after I'm gone. We have car insurance, auto insurance, I mean, uh, auto insurance, health insurance, life insurance, phone insurance. We have all of these insurances. But let me give you an interesting, interesting thought. I, I compared insurance to assurance. I found something online that will help us understand the difference. This article says insurance refers to coverage over a limited time, whereas assurance applies to a persistent coverage over extended periods or until death. It's sad. We put more into insurance than we do assurance. You say, what do you mean by that? I'll tell you why. We don't put a whole lot of stock in the will of God. The will of God is the only thing that can bring assurance. Listen, you're building a home. You're directing your home. You're raising your children. The only way we're going to have the assurance is to know that we're doing it by what thus saith the Lord. That's the assurance that we need. See, well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to build my home by keeping my kids happy. Good luck with that. You're going to go broke, Jack. That's what's going to happen. Well, I'm just going to keep them happy, and I'm going to keep them comfortable. You will go broke, and they'll still not be happy. But we have an assurance from the Word of God, a confidence from the Word of God, that when we do it by what thus saith the Lord, to train up a child, and the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. That's assurance. The will of God. Now, folks, understand this this morning. The will of God's worth it because it comes with assurance. I want you to think about the disciples after Jesus called them. What did he say in Matthew 4? He says, follow me and I will make you. I love the fact, watch, he shows them his will and then he gives them an assurance. Follow me and I will. Follow me and I will. Can I tell you that will apply to your whole life? Follow me in your job and I'll take care of the rest. Follow me and I will make the home. Follow me and I will make the kids. Follow me and I will make the church. I mean, we look at America, this little country over 200 years old. We're a young country in the whole scope of the world. And how did this country get made? I'll tell you, we followed him and he made us. We follow him and his will and he gives us the assurance that he will take care of the rest. 
I think about how many times I've gone car shopping in my life. And usually I car shop by price, not by desire. Amen? Anybody ever been there before? You shop based on what you can afford. It's like reading the menu from the right to the left, not the left to the right. Yeah? It's always scary when you get one of those fancy restaurants and there is no prices. It's just, hey, it's a gamble. You go for it, okay? You know, I think I'm just going to have an appetizer today. Go with that. It's always safe. I've been there. I've been car shopping many times, and it's amazing. On the windows of cars, they have this little piece of paper that's kind of stuck to it, and there's two sides to that piece of paper. And there are boxes that are checked. One box says, as is. One box says, warranty. A lot of times, the ones that were in my price range were the as is. Amen? You ever been there? As is. I mean, you get what you get. You know, as soon as you drive off the property, it is yours, lock, stock, and barrel. Problems, they are all yours. But man, the ones that say with a warranty, that's the ones I want to go with. You right, huh? You with me? That's the one you want to have in your home. That's the car you want to have in your driveway. One that comes with a warranty, meaning, hey, when I drive off of this lot, it's not just on me. And yet, how often do we choose a will other than God's that is simply as is? You go with the will of your flesh, the will of this world, the will of what's popular, the will of peer pressure. You go with that. Can I tell you what you're driving off the lot with? An as-is life and an as-is will. You're going to get all that you got, that is it, and maybe you're not even going to end up with that. But oh, when we choose the will of God, what do we get? We get what Paul got in verse 10. Assuredly, gathering that the Lord had called for us to preach the gospel. Number one, why is God's will worth it? Well, it comes with assurance. Can I ask you this morning, do you have assurance? Do you have assurance for this life? Do you have assurance for the next? You can, but it's going to be according to the will of God. But then watch this. I'm going to give you one more thing. I'm going to cut it off at two today. How about that? Amen? Amen. All right. Some of you are too scared, but it's all right. The Bible says, watch, God made his will known. Verse 9, gave him a vision. God says, here's my will. Verse 10, he chose God's will, and now he has assurance. But watch the next word after assuredly. The Bible says, assuredly gathering. Assuredly gathering. Now, after hearing the message, he knew what God wanted, right? He knew what God wanted. He said, well, how do you know? Well, God gave him a vision in verse 9, and God says, this is what I want you to do. So the Bible says he has assurance. How did he get the assurance? Oh, this is wonderful this morning. Notice, the Bible says he gathered it. He gathered it. After listening to what the vision said, what God wanted them to know, they gathered or they were able to put together what God's will was for them and where they were to go. You see, God did not hide it from him. God, number two this morning, notice, why is his will worth it? It's because it's made available. God made his, available, his will available to Paul in verse 9. But watch verse 10, what he did. The Bible says, assuredly gathering it. I'm thankful this morning. I, I say this probably on a daily, if not a weekly basis for sure. When talking about the will of God, understand as a Christian, if he's your father, listen, he's not going to hide his will from you. He's going to make it available. He wants you to know. I mean, listen to me. Uh, I told somebody just this morning, I am probably too lenient on my daughter, and I probably make too much available to her. Why? Well, she's my only child. I feel like an only child, you know, you have a little bit more right to get away because it's the only time you're going to get to spoil them, right? Okay, I hope so. I haven't found it in Scripture, but I still just try to pretend that way anyway. I make things available to her because I'm her dad. Every once in a while, mom says, hey, we've got to cut back on the gummy bears, you know? 
Just get the little pack, the single. Don't get the family pack anymore. The, uh, go get the Swedish fish and the five-pound bag of all that. Sometimes we've got to cut back a little bit. Why? Because we make things available. But I'm her dad. Man, I want good things to be made available to her. Can I tell you our father is a better father than our dads are? He's a heavenly father. As a matter of fact, what does scripture say? Matthew 7. If ye thee being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Our heavenly father, watch this. He is going to make available his will for you. Here's the question. Are you going to gather it? He's going to give you the information you need to know in the direction he would desire that you go. But the question is, will you gather it? You say, what does that mean? That word gather is a neat word. It means to stitch together. To stitch together. So watch this. Here's Paul. You imagine Paul. The Bible says in verse 9, a vision appeared to them. So this vision appears, a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. Now let's just pretend for a moment, okay? Here's Paul and Silas. After the vision disappears, Paul looks over at Silas. What do you think that means? Silas says, well, Paul, I think it probably means we need to go to Macedonia. Paul says, you know, I think that means that too. They put together a plan based on what God had told them. Do you know why this morning I feel like we miss out on the will of God? It's not because God has not made the message available. We've just chosen not to gather it. We've chosen not to stitch together the pieces on how to have a godly home. Look, it's there. It's there. Listen to me. America's not in a mess. Our homes are not in a mess. Our kids are not in a mess. Our country's not in a mess this morning because we put it all together. No, our mess is a result of having the information but never pulling it together in our own lives. That's why we're missing out today. God has told us all that we need to know. God has spelled it out. God has given us a book. God has given us a spirit. But at some point, you've got to put it all together. You've got to stitch it together and say, you know what? I believe this is to be the will of God for my life. And oh, that's when we find the assurance to move forward and where God is leading us. I was thinking this morning about when I was a kid, uh, my sister, my brother and I, we used to walk the, the road, the dirt road we lived on, and we would pick dewberries. Uh, kind of like a blackberry, you know, dewberries, blackberries, and we'd go pick them, and we'd come back with a handful of them. And boy, our hands would be just stained with all that juice that's there. And we'd take them to my mom. My mom would make a wonderful dewberry, blackberry cobbler. And man, that'd be good today. Well, a little ice cream on top of it, wouldn't that be good? It's 12.05, you're already hungry, I'm just going to make you a little bit more hungry thinking about it. We'd bring a little handful to mom, and we'd put it up there and say, Mom, can you make a cobbler? And she would say, no, that, that's not enough. That's enough to eat, but not enough for a cobbler. And so, well, how much do we need for coffee? She says, go out and gather some more. Go get some more. And so we'd go out and we'd walk. We'd take a Cool Whip container. You know, that's every good Baptist uh, cheapo Tupperware, right? A Cool Whip container. we go out there, man, and we're picking it, we're picking it, we're picking it. We'd, we'd gather a whole lot more. We'd bring them back to mom. We'd say, mom, is that enough? She'd say, yeah, that's enough. And then she'd make that cobbler. And boy, you begin to smell it come out of the oven. It's just so good. And she'd put it on the table. And man, it was just as good as we imagined it being. But we wouldn't have had that outcome, watch, had we not gathered together all of the pieces in order to have that. Can I tell you what I'm afraid of today? I'm afraid we want the cobbler, but we're not gathering the berries. We want the end result. We want the desire of the will of God and what the will of God produces. The problem is God has made available all the pieces that we need to have the home, the life, the heart, the church, the nation we need. The problem is we're not gathering it. 
like, well, I wonder what God wants us to do. I'll tell you what God wants us to do. What this book says. Matter of fact, you look around our world, you look around at families and young people, you look just it's a mess. Our government. I'm afraid today. I'm afraid today we're gathering a lot of what's not the will of God, hoping we're going to turn out the cobbler. That is the will of God. You know, you'll see folks, and they'll be raising their kids according to the course and desires of this world. They'll be raising them by what is popular, by what is the fads, and you'll see these ingredients going into their life, and you're wondering, where did you gather that from? Well, I don't raise my kids that way. I raise my kids this way, and I believe a home ought to be this, and I believe a home ought to be that. Look, there's nothing wrong with having your own beliefs, but you better be getting them out of this book if you want the end result that this book says. Sometimes I want to ask people, where did you get that from? Where did you get that from? Raising our kids this way. I mean, I see churches being built today, and I'm wondering, where did you get that from? That's not what thus saith the Lord. This has got to be our sole source of the ingredients for our life, our home, our children, and our church, if we have any desire to expect the outcome of what thus saith the Lord. We want the outcome of it, but we don't want the ingredients of it. Folks, can I ask you this this morning? Where are you getting your ingredients from? Where are you gathering from? Paul says, Silas, what do you think that means? I think we ought to go to Macedonia. He said, you know what? I think we ought to go to Macedonia. It's time we as God's people gather the right ingredients and put together what thus saith the Lord so that we can look forward in assurance to the fruit of the will of God. I promise you, you'll want it. I promise you, you'll want it this morning. Matthew 7, I'm going to hurry and I'm going to close with this. Matthew chapter, I think I am, I'm not sure, but okay, I'm just going to throw that caveat in there. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is speaking about knowing people by their fruit. He asks a question I want you to think about this morning. He says, do men gather grapes of thorns? Do men gather grapes of thorns? Now, we don't have a whole lot of grapes around here, but grapes do not grow on thorn bushes. If you want grapes, why are you picking amongst the thorns? What is he saying here? The fruit of what you end up with is going to be a direct result of where you are gathering. The fruit of our homes, our children, the fruit that we end up, the cobbler that we end up with is a direct result of where we were picking the fruit from. You don't gather grapes of thorns. The tragedy this morning is so many of the decisions that we make that go into our homes, our children, I mean just all the precious institutions of what God has given us. We didn't get it from God. We're not getting it from God. Where did we get? I mean, we have wholesale slaughtered this book. We're shredding it. I'll talk to people. The Bible says, the Bible says, you understand I'm not smart enough to do this thing without a Bible. My ideas are not good enough. My opinions are not good enough. I am flawed. I'm not even 50-50. I'm below that. We'll say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. And then people say, well, I know but. No buts to it this morning. We can't expect the fruit of the will of God if we don't include the ingredients of the will of God, which is what thus saith the Lord. Here's Paul. Paul says, you know what? I gather the Lord wants us to go in this direction. And they were able to do that with what? With assurance. 1 Peter 4, 2, that he no longer should live, speaking about the saved man, the rest of his time in the flesh and the lust of men, but to the will of God. I want to ask you this this morning as we head toward the invitation. Where are you getting your direction from? Where are you gathering your direction from? If you're not gathering it from what thus saith the Lord, you could be leading your kids off a cliff. I see it happen every day. 
Did you gather that from the Lord? Oh, you're on dangerous territory. What about your children, your home? Man, husbands, we're, there's a dearth in America of husbands who are just going to take this book and lead according to what thus saith the Lord. There's a dearth of that. I mean, we're at a deficit in this country. Why can't we just say, this is what God said. This is what we're going to do. And I don't know if everybody else says everything else. It doesn't matter. We're going to have the fruit of what God says we can have. Because we're going to gather together all that God said. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stitch it together. Put the picture together. Living no longer for our lusts, but according to the will of God of God. So this morning, Paul and Silas are showing us a very, very simple truth. Number one, God gave them a vision in verse 9 of what he wanted for them. His will was made known. Notice verse number 10, it comes with assurance. Wouldn't you like to have assurance today? Wouldn't you like to have assurance? I mean, the only thing that keeps my feet on the ground half the time is the assurance of what thus saith the Lord, because I know my ideas are no good. It's got to be God. It's got to be God. You say, well, how do you get that kind of assurance? You gather it. A pastor years ago, when I was in Louisiana, I called him about counseling. I said, look, you know, counseling load is huge. I said, how do you, how do you handle your counseling? Well, he had church five, ten times the size of mine. He says, well, if people don't come to church, I don't counsel them. I said, well, how's that work? He says, what I tell folks is I give out good counsel on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. If they're not willing to come gather it then, I'm not coming up on my day off to give it to them then. Now, hear me out, folks. You don't have the best pastor in the world, I promise you that. But here at Central Baptist Church, we have wonderful Sunday school teachers. We have wonderful staff. We have wonderful Christians in this church. There's good stuff. There's good stuff passed out here. There's good stuff passed out here. Now, look, if you don't gather it, that's on you. That's on you. Well, you know, if I had a better pastor, hey, it doesn't matter. you got a better word. Well, I don't like the pastor. It doesn't matter. I love the word. Listen, folks, this morning. Well, there's assurance when we take the will of God and move forward because it's thus saith the Lord. But you're not going to have the assurance if you don't gather it. Young person, listen to me. You don't have to be a grown-up to start gathering the will of God for your life. Start putting it together. Mom and dad, you say, well, I'm already older and, you know, I'm, I'm past 40. Me too. Start gathering the will of God. Start stitching it together. In closing, the Bible says that after they got the assurance of what was made available, the Bible says they loose from Troas. They let go of what they were holding on to and move forward with the will of God. Can I ask you this morning, what do you need to loose of in order to pursue the will of God in your life? Number one, this morning, if you're lost and never trusted Christ, could I beg you, whatever you're holding on to, for why you will not get saved, could I beg you, loose from it? Why? Because that's the only way you're going to find the assurance of your salvation, knowing you have a home in heaven. Christian number two this morning, what has God already made available to you? There's no point in our homes being a wreck, our children being a wreck, our country being a wreck. There is no point in this at all. Can I tell you why? Every, it's not this way because we're doing the will of God. God's will has not led us to a mess. I'll tell you what leads us to a mess. When we hold on to something and don't lose to go do the will of God, and we do it on our own because of our own will and our own accord. Number one, there's assurance. Number two, it's available. The question is, will you loose in order to have it? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want you to stand together this morning. We're going to close.